Hi everyone, uh, it's Andre from Mental Health and I'm here with Professor Ricardo Araya from King's. Uh, Ricardo is the lead of the Global Mental Health Research Group and also the director of the Centre for Global Mental Health which celebrated its 10 year anniversary this year, is that right? That's right, uh, 10 years. Um, time runs very fast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I'm interested, you've given your keynote talk um, which was very re well received, I think, at the conference today. Um, and the first 15 minutes or so of that talk were really depressing because it was full of, um, you know, lots of depression statistics about mental illness and the global burden of disease and lack of investment and lack of workforce and all these sorts of issues. Do you want to just kind of summarise how you see mental illness on this planet today? <laughs> well, first of all, to say that, you know, we shouldn't look at it, um, everything is relative in a way. Uh, we shouldn't look, you know, you shouldn't become depressed at the state of mental health in the world. Uh, in fact, if you think of it like if you are in low and middle income countries and you've always thought, you know, things were horrible in there because there were so many mental health problems, nothing to you know, to to um, to treat those people with, um, and now you realize that that is not just simply a problem of low and middle income countries. It's also a problem of high income countries. So, in a way, to make you more lively and to cheer you up, Andre, <laughs> I would like to say that uh, um, it's it's uh, an opportunity, really, in which we are all together. So there is no need to differentiate so clearly low and high income countries. We are all on this together. There is a need everywhere uh, in the world. And uh, yes, of course, you know, it, let's not um, be deluded. The reality is that mental health problems are highly prevalent and they cause a massive burden to society uh, in this country and anywhere else. Uh, of course, there are countries that have more resources than others, and you know can. Uh, but as you saw in my presentation, not even high-income countries with more resources are injecting the level of resources which are needed to tackle this problem. So I think it was interesting that you kind of presented your story a little bit. You know, a psychiatrist from Chile who's come to work in the UK, very focused on global mental health, and a lot of the work you've been involved in is really high quality high-impact research, you know, you're citing RCTs in JAMA and the Lancet and all these kind of research projects you've done. Um, why have you cho chosen to work on the things that you've, you've worked on? How have you kind of prioritised working in different countries on different interventions? How do you kind of come up with your research questions? Well, I think, you know, I'm not very different from many other people who are working in the global mental health field, in a way. We all probably, not all, but many of us started with the idea that we, uh, to follow the rational planning, you know, first of all, we wanted to demonstrate that there was a need. And once we've demonstrated that, that, you know, what can we do about it? That was the kind of the original plan. And uh, I trained as an epidemiologist, so originally, you know, I was, you know, counting the dead. That was everything I did. You know, I did lots of surveys and things like that. And I very quickly became convinced that, you know, okay, you know, that it, pretty, it was pretty obvious that there was a big problem in there. The interesting bit is what can we do about it? And that's how I became interested in developing and testing interventions. 
Um, and then, you know, as you go along, um, it, you know, in the old days, it was very difficult to do research. You, you mentioned that we've done research that has been published in, you know, high impact journals and all of that. But that has been, a, you know, an uphill battle. If you think about 20 years ago, there was no money at all to do any kind of sort of mental health, you know, global mental health research. So it's been a, a, a you know, an uphill journey, really. Um, but with time, uh, things began to change. Uh, there were more people coming on board, and eventually we began to show that um, even though there were a lot of people there with problems, uh, there was something that could be done. And I think that that was really a game changer, you know, when people began to realize, okay, you know, because in the old days, most of the people will kind of dismiss our you know, plea immediately saying, you know, well, you know, mental problems equal poverty and, and you know, why don't we put the money into social programs, you know, which I, I'm not against it. But I said, you know, uh, you're missing part of the story. Uh, a lot of these people with social problems also have mental problems. Uh, so if you were to able to help those people with a mental problem, maybe they would become, um, they would have better lives, you know. Uh, socially as well as in every other sense of the word, you know. Uh, so that's how I, you know, I came in into this. So there's a there's a, a theme that runs through a lot of this work, which is task shifting, task sharing, uh, task dumping. You called it. Can you give a definition of that for us? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I I. I want to be careful, um, you know, there is a lot of, um, I mean, you know, you can use different words and, and uh, say different things, you know, but uh, that's shifting or sharing, if you prefer. It's simply just, you know, transferring duties and tasks that uh, a very specialized person uh, can do to another person who isn't so... Um, professional or intensively trained, but can do the same thing. So it's transferring tasks, you know, um, from one person, one health worker to another, really, um, and in an efficient way. Uh, so if you have a person who is a very precious uh, resource and quite expensive and is doing something that can be done by a person who doesn't need to be so well trained and it's you know probably paid less uh, then it's a natural thing to think you know why, why isn't that person doing this thing you know um, so that that is the idea of that shifting and sharing which I, as I said during my talk this is not something that comes from mental health you know it's been done you know endless times you know for immunization nutrition programs and so on and so forth yeah, and uh, and then, you know, we have to be careful, you know, because very often people feel, you know, there's a lot of pressure these days, you know, to our community work to do more and more and more. There is a never-ending, you know, demand for community health workers to do things. And it's just, it's not possible. It is not possible. And, and even if it was possible, I think there are certain things that people need to think about it, like sort of, you know, as a minimum, to provide sufficient recognition for the people who are doing the work, if not an incentive, which I would prefer. There were lots of pictures in your presentation of 
health workers uh, in Africa, in South America. There were lots of older women delivering interventions. Interventions feels like a strange word to use in this context, mm. but um, grandmothers on benches, for example. Tell us how the research that you've done uses the kind of local knowledge and local culture and local interventions to kind of develop something that actually works for people. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with time, you know, at the beginning I was very eager and enthusiastic and very often I didn't pay much attention to what people told me uh, on the ground. I learned it the hard way. Um, these days I pay a lot more attention and I spend a lot more time and resources in trying to see what is possible locally and what do people want and how, you know, what are their own solutions for a problem that I, you know, them and myself can share. Um, so, you know, some of these ideas are emerging from that, you know, if people are saying, you know, okay, we have this problem, so how is it that we're going to go about this, you know, and our role is mostly to, you know, to help them reflect on, you know, what is in there and and how can that be organized in such a way that it can provide a solution for, for the problem. And uh, and that's how we came to this idea that it has become so famous, um, uh, the Friendship Bench in Zimbabwe, uh, led by Dixon Chibanda. Um, we came to this thing because uh, uh, Dixon had been looking at how, you know, what level of resources was available in primary care for many years and he had identified you know these uh, uh, lay health workers um, so he started that process long long many years before the friendship bench when we came to test it in the randomized controlled trial and 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 as it happens you know many of these people uh, were people you know over the age of 50 um, not necessarily maybe for Zimbabwe is older than what it is in here because of life expectancy um, and maybe because you know many of these women already had grandchildren, so they became grandmothers. So um, Dixon had this wonderful idea of calling them the grandmothers, um, which I think is very <laughs> creative. And um, but you know it really made me reflect um, on on so you know on the resources that we have available in the community and how good we are at dismissing. Thanks, you know, if you think about, you know, what we have, everybody knows, you know, we're accumulating an, an army of, you know, old people like myself. Um, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that all these people cannot do anything. There's a great opportunity in there to go and, and, uh, and knock on their doors and see whether or not there is something they can contribute. Uh, to society, I'm pretty sure you'll find some volunteers and, and interested on on doing something with their free time uh, or even paid time. Um, so, so I think you know it's 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 that you know to uh, keep the door open in terms of innovation, creativity, in terms of looking at what is in there and what we can do with it. What um, in Zimbabwe came up, you know, has, has been a tremendous success. You finally touched on digital technologies and how that can kind of be used. And obviously, mm. there's a lot of excitement about the scalability and cost efficiency mm. of digital. But how do you see that working in a global mental health context? Well, I think it, it, it's um, uh, definitely um, 
suitable for for all countries really um, as uh, you saw in one of my slides in there the penetration of technology all over the world rich and poor countries is incredible incredible and um, and then like it or not um, we better try to think about doing something good out of technology there's, there's so much bad press about technology you know how they use our information and various other things you know but it is in our hands to see whether or not we can do something you know uh, something good uh, with that technology and, and I think we have found things to do um, and now we're beginning to to prove that some of those things are feasible they're effective uh, they're cost-effective and um, we haven't scaled up any of those things yet um, but I think you know we mustn't be shy with any of these opportunities you know as they arise in the journey to try to identify resources. It, this is just simply a matter of, you know, what resources we have. Uh, so I, I am very optimistic that we will be able to uh, 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 use technology in a much more effective way in large volumes and, and that it will, in the end, um, be a, something beneficial uh, to society, at least well, in terms of mental health. I got the sense that there were lots of people inspired by your talk in the room, and I wondered what your advice would be to a nurse researcher who's looking to get into your field. Well, uh, you know, as I said, and um, I think, you know, nurses are so eminently well-placed to contribute to global mental health much more than probably any other health professional really because especially when it comes to low and middle income countries because most of the services are run by nurses so who else knows better the local reality than a nurse so of course they're very busy and, and they have to you know their number one priority is running very busy clinics you know uh, with lots of clinical responsibilities, so most of them have very little time to think about research. Um, that is in in, the, in low and middle income countries. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will be the same here in the UK. Um, there are lots of nurses that have an interest, and in fact, there are quite a few nurses, you know, who are leading very interesting projects in uh, in low and middle income countries. Um, so I I I would say to them, you know. Don't be shy, really. Jump for it. Um, you know, I see in many panels, you know, that they distribute research funding. Um, and more recently, I've seen uh, um, proposals from, from nurses. Uh, but it's kind of new, actually. Uh, it didn't happen before. Um, it was mostly centered around psychologists, psychiatrists, and people like that. Um, but there are other people, you know, there, there, there may be a time when, you know, the nurses in coalition with other health workers, you know, community health workers, auxiliary nurses, and, you know, may come and, and present their own proposals, you know. There are quite a lot of, you know, r nurse researchers in this country. Um, so I think, you know, I would say, you know, go for it. Of course there are problems. Like um, I had a question there that, you know, how difficult it is to do research in these countries. Yes, it is difficult. But it is difficult here too, um, and but it's immensely more rewarding for me, at least, when you do this thing for people who just simply have nothing, 
um, is rewarding in many ways, you know, because um, you're doing something for those who have nothing, and secondly, because of the people, you know, have uh, an, an immense, unlimited capacity to, to show their gratitude, really. Great work. Keep it up. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Yeah, great talking to you. Mm-hmm.